Well, welcome to The Journey. Uh, my name is Kevin Polkey, and I am the host of The Journey. And today we have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Ava Bushberger with us. And uh, this is a young lady uh, that I um, met, uh, I want to say, what, three or four months ago, I think we met. And, and then it was really with her... Um, passion and her encouragement to bring uh, mental health awareness to her high school in um, Whitnall High School um, in the Milwaukee area, I ended up having an opportunity to speak up there. And so I remember when you first re reached out to me, Ava, um, I've had different people reach out to me at different times, students as well as uh, adults reach out to me with an idea. And but so many times there is a lack of follow through. Um, they'll, they'll come up with an idea, but there's not a whole lot of action steps that happen afterwards. And um, that was not the case with you. Uh, <laughs> so so thank, thank you very much, Ava. So, uh, so before we jump into anything, why don't you just kind of give us a little bit about who you are and uh, let's just start with uh, what does Ava do when, she's, when she has an opportunity to have fun? What, what do you do to have fun? Oh boy, this question always is like, you never know what to like say to this question when people ask you, but um, I am an athlete. I play softball that pretty much consumes much of my time that I am either not in school or not working at all. That's pretty much a lot. Um, I love hanging out with people, being around people, kind of just doing stuff like, I don't know, the classic girls like go shopping or like go out, go out to dinner, something like that. Um, I like just being outside and not kind of crammed in a space all day of being out and about kind of just, yeah. So. Okay. Perfect. Gotcha. So being an athlete, so it does, does, uh, does athletics run in your family or are you the only athlete or just, are you an athletic family? Um, we're pretty much an athletic family. Uh, my mom's side, my grandpa was a big basketball player, loved it. Absolutely. Just loved the sport. Uh, my mom was a volleyball player. My dad played like football, baseball, all of that. Um, none of them played in college, but I am the first in my family who hopes to play a college sport. So hopefully that will happen. But yeah, I just come from an athletic-based family. So it's just something I love to do and I enjoy. Gotcha. Now, do you have siblings, Ava? Uh, I have an older brother. Okay. He's and... in college. Okay. Yes. Did, he, did he play sports too? Uh, he played football and baseball. He also ran track, so he was yeah. also an athlete. Gotcha. Okay. So, so how? What was it about softball? How did you get introduced to softball? What is it about softball versus all the other sports that you probably have played or could play? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, is I was a dancer. That was like my first ever like sport type athletic thing that I used to do. I don't know. My mom always jokes about it because no one was a dancer in my family. Like nobody danced, nobody did any of that stuff. And somehow I just like fell in love with it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is so fun. And then I remember it was, I would say when I was in second grade, so it was a little bit ago that I just kind of wanted to try it. And someone I think told me about it and I was like, you know, maybe I'll just give it a shot. And I just loved it, like fell in love with it. And I was like, you know what? I had to choose between dance and softball because I obviously couldn't do two things at once. And I was like, you know what? Softball, like I loved it. I loved like being outside, just all the factors that go into it was just like, if something clicked and I was like, you know, this is my sport. And then my mom actually played softball for a year, which is funny, but she hated it. Like she just hated everything about it. She hated 
like the cold during high school season and like the rain and all of that. And I just was like, you know what? I love it. Like I've tried, like I played basketball in middle school, all of that. I ran track in middle school and it's just softball was something that just stuck with me. And I was like, this is my sport. This is like what I love to do. Gotcha. So you, as a general, well, when, let me first ask about dance, when you were dancing, what, um, what, what, uh, type of dance did you do and, and tell us a little bit about that and then it was it was pretty much everything I danced for Anita's in Muskego so all of our performance like we performed for Zuella Cart, Festa Italiana, the Paps Theater was where like our nutcracker stuff was it was pretty much just the classic like tap, ballet, jazz, contemporary kind of that stuff I wasn't at like the competing type level where I would never like go to dance competitions or anything it was just more of like for the company um but I don't know how I even got into it I guess I just I really enjoyed it because like the emotional piece of it it was very like I love to show like emotion through things and just kind of like take into how I'm feeling and I sw- I think I danced for about six years and then I just was like oh it's time for me to move on I do I will admit I do miss dance to this day. I just feel like I always had like a connection to it just because that was like the first thing I ever did like athletic wise. But, you know, I definitely think it was a very good first step for me to go into softball and stuff. Sure, sure. So when, so now uh, you're just finished up your junior year in high school. And so what things do you do now? And you, you said something about dance allowing you to be able to express emotion and that through the expressive arts and and dance is one of those. And so what do you do now to express that part of your creativity and your imagination? What, what do you, what do you utilize now? I really like, one thing that stands out a lot is softball is a very one-on-one sport. So it's all on you. It's kind of like what you're doing when you're up to bat, looking at the pitcher, like everything in your mind, it's just you. It's not like, oh, if someone messes up, like you see, you know, like dances, everybody is together and like everyone is doing the same thing. And I just like how softball is just, it's a very big mind game, a huge mind game. Um, and I used to struggle with that a lot when I was younger, where I would put too much pressure on myself. I get very, very upset with myself when I would make a mistake and I would mess up or not do something correctly or like something I know that I'm capable of doing and I didn't do in that moment. Um, but I just love feeling like it's just me. And, you know, like when the ball comes to me, like this is my play, this is all like on me and just like being with a group of girls that I'm with every summer, just the bonds and the connections and just like the teamwork is just something that's like so good for me. And I just, I love it. And I just, I love my girls and I love my team and it's just, it's amazing. Well, and, and so I, I don't, I've never played baseball, but I, when I was a strength coach, um, I, I was, um, uh, would work with um, some of the baseball and softball players and the school that I coached at. And I also happened to go to school there. They were known for having a really strong, um, even more so strong softball program than even their baseball program. And, and what you just said about the idea that, um, 
like specifically like batting if you are trying too hard um you're gonna you it's like trying too hard to make a free throw right you're you're it's it's not gonna happen so maybe talk a little bit about that part of the mental aspect because you you practice hitting so many times and then then the and how how does the mental part play into either being in the flow or staying in a slump Yes. Um, I have personally been through a slump many times in my softball career and slumps just to me being in a slump just defeats my whole mentality when I'm up to bat, like all confidence is low. It's just when I'm like, I experience being in a slump, it's just, you expect to not hit when you're up to bat because you're just so far out. And it's just like, well, I haven't hit so long. Like I'm not going to hit. And it's just, the confidence that goes down kind of just ruins your at bat. And it's like, you kind of think like, okay, what's the point? Like, why am I even up at bat? Like, why am I hitting right now if I'm not going to get on base? And I think being up to bat is probably one of the toughest things because it is just you and the pitcher and the pitcher's trying to strike you out. You're trying to get on base. Like it's a lot of things going on. And what you said about trying too hard, when everyone says coaches, when you try too hard, like it's not going to go anywhere. You just got to let it happen. That is the most real thing I have ever heard. And I've experienced it so many times when people say you never try to swing for the fences because it's not going to get there. And most of the time it doesn't because you're so focused on putting everything into that swing and like trying so hard that you just like forget the basics and like just the fundamentals that go into it. And your mind just kind of goes off. You're like, Oh, like, what just happened? Like you're not focused on what's supposed to be focused on right now and your fundamentals and when you're up to bat and when you're seeing that pitch go and when you're saying to yourself, do I go, do I wait? Like all of that. And I just, it's so huge when you're up to bat and it's definitely something that I will admit I've struggled with many, many times, but it's definitely keeping to yourself and just saying to yourself, like do what you know you're gonna do like do what you know don't try to you know show off or be something special or just try to like swing for the fences or be a home run hitter it's just you control yourself and you kind of do what you know you can do and then that's when greater outputs kind of come out so sure so so this is what i started realizing that so my used to be a football player, wrestler, ran track as well. And then I got into bodybuilding and that was ended up being my, you know, that continued beyond, um, beyond high school. And I had to make that choice similar to what you said. I couldn't do bodybuilding. I didn't think I could do bodybuilding and play football in college. I didn't think I could do both at the same time because of, of, of the intensity of playing college sports. And, um, and, and so, and, and I thought, bodybuilding was going to, I was going to be able to go farther bodybuilding than I, than I thought I could go in football. And so um, it probably wasn't until maybe the last five years, which is really a long time ago that I stopped bodybuilding for me to realize this, <laughs> but um, yeah. that, that as, as important as sports are and how valuable the sports were for me um, growing up and then later coaching I don't think I realized until probably the last five years is that sports are just really a metaphor for life. Yes. And, and that it, it's, it, it, 
I put similar to yourself, I put so much pressure on the performance or the outcome of something and didn't realize that the real lessons for me was what I was learning about myself going through, um, going through a, a, as you put it, a hitting streak or going through a slump. What I learned about those things was more important than actually, you know, whatever the outcome was, right? So, so if you, if you think about different things that you've had uh, struggled with in life, and then you talked about that, that slump that you talked about with, with hitting or, or just hitting in general, maybe not even a slump, how, how does that parallel for you regarding, you know, how does that same advice your coaches are telling you about uh, stay with the basics, don't be, you know, stay, stay grounded, stay with the basics. How does that apply to Ava's? non-athletic life um definitely i struggle with like anxiety pretty bad i've struggled with it for a while um and when you know i have like an anxiety flare up or something happens or something like an inconvenience that goes on in my life and i start getting like worried and kind of panicked and you know my body temperature rises and i just start like freaking out my head is just like everywhere i have to like remember in general just to keep myself grounded because when I like let that feeling take over me and kind of go in control that's when I just kind of like lose it and that's when I just like can't I just flare myself up even more I can't you know get back to like a normal place and I just have to like keep myself in check and just be like you know what like it's okay you're gonna be fine like this isn't the end of the world like nothing's gonna happen and I feel like I use that so much just in like everyday things, like even like taking a test in school or just, you know, like waking up on the wrong side of the bed and thinking this day is going to be like the worst day ever or just something so small. But I have to remember, like, it's not the end of the world. It's not going to change anything like this is happening because this is happening. So take that and change it and make it something better instead of like, freaking yourself out or like ruining your entire day or just putting yourself in a bad mood. So I feel like, yeah. Gotcha. So in an, in an average, when you're playing softball right now, how many at bats do you have in an average game? Probably about three, three? I would say. Okay. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you do. And obviously I'm not just talking about softball. I'm also talking about life. (laughs) So let's say you're in a game and you know that you're most likely going to have three to four at bats in a, in a normal game, but three, most likely three, just because the nature of the, of the game, the first time you're at bat, you strike out or you ground out. Mm -hmm. What does Ava do? So, because you now have the opportunity for this to get into your head. Yes. What do, What do you do so that it doesn't get into your head? And this may also be about waking up on the wrong side of the bed too. <laughs> yes, I definitely have been in that mindset where I've struck out or grounded out my first at bat, and I just was like, "Why is this happening?" Or I just let it ruin my entire rest of the game, and that's like the worst thing that you could possibly do as an athlete in the middle of the game or the beginning of the game and I take it with life too that it's like you have your three at bats but you focus on your first one and you ground out you strike out whatever the case may be well you have your second one now it's like the first one's over everybody else forgot about it nobody it's not like anyone is freaking out about it anyone's mad at you about it 
and first one's done so you move on to the second one and my parents tell me this all the time because I am such like I stick on it and I just like what did I do wrong or like what did I do why didn't I get this and they're like you know what the first one's over with it's like you can't go back and change it and I take that in life so like deeply that it's like when something happens it's like you can't go back and change it it happened it was like there was a reason that it happened there's no way that you can go back and try to make something different so you have to just move on and you can't dwell on it otherwise it's just gonna eat you up inside and it's just gonna like ruin your whole mood and you're just gonna keep thinking about that one thing instead of just staying in the present moment and just trying to make that present moment better than the inconvenience like inconvenience you might have had before so I definitely definitely relate to that soft-wise and life-wise because there's a lot that goes into that with your mind in so. you know and I and I and I have so many times in my life have, have done what you said your tendency is and I think there's so many people that will do that right and and yeah. and somehow you know what I did you know two hours ago when it doesn't go well I project that that's going to be a predictor of what's going to happen, uh, who's going to happen next. For some reason, I don't have the same level of confidence that when I've done something well, that uh, that's going to be somehow the forecast of what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I don't equally weight it. I don't, I don't, I somehow weight the setback much, much higher than if it ends up being like a, you know, a success or, you know. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that when that was pointed out to me going, well, Kevin, at least be fair, you know, at least be fair with yourself that if, yeah. if this is such a great predictor of what's going to happen in the future, wouldn't it be also a predictor if you did something well? And, yeah. um, and I was like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> but we're just um, so focused on like the negatives when the negative happens and you're just like, when something inconvenient or like a negative thing happens, it's just like, when you said that's so much higher, it's like, that's what you think the rest of your day is going to be like when it's like, you know, I take it as like the days where it's like, Oh, can my day get any worse? And it's just like, when everyone says that, and I say it all the time too, where it's like something happens and then something other bad happens. And then like, it just keeps going and it's like a domino effect. But like when something good happens, we don't really like think about it as much as just like the bad things. So I feel like, and I admit, I focus on like the negative sometimes like way too much and I dwell on it and it's just, it's not good. It is not good. So I, I have listened to a lot of, uh, a lot of good athletes. I remember like for me, when I, when I was training for um, the Teenage Mr. USA, I remember being because of the circumstances, there was a handful of different things that played into it, but I remember that 12 weeks preparation for that. And then even the drive down to Baton Rouge, there was this, um, it felt like looking back on it now felt like I was in some type of flow that, that there was just, just a, just a flow. And I, I went down there. I, I had, I had very much, um, very much, I, t- I talk about this, this story about a strawberry story that I had, you know, woke up in the middle of the night, you know, I was on a pretty rigid diet, which is what we always do. And I woke up in the middle of the night and for some reason I went to the refrigerator, even though I knew I couldn't eat anything, but I still went to the refrigerator anyways. And I opened up the refrigerator and there's this huge cauldron of strawberries, fresh strawberries. And 
strawberries in himself, right? Like a whole cup of strawberries is like less than 40 calories, right? So, so there's no, there's zero, barely any calories at all in it. And I started in my mind trying to figure out how I could eat one of those strawberries. And then my parents wouldn't know that I had taken one of the strawberries as if they cared. Um, <laughs> as I'm going back and forth with this in the, the, you know, the illumination of the refrigerator light and the darkness of the, of the kitchen, yeah. it dawned on me that if I eat one of these strawberries, that meant that I would cheat on my diet. And if I cheated on my diet, that would be the reason why I would have a bad performance at the nationals. So of course I slammed the door and went downstairs and probably pouted or whatever I was doing. But I, I knew that that decision of cheating on my diet and letting myself down would be the reason that if it didn't go well, that would be the thing that I would hang on to. And then it would be based upon my regret, not, not necessarily based upon, you know, because I didn't give a hundred percent. Now, for whatever reason that clicked with me later on is that I knew going down there that I had given my hundred percent. I had no idea who I was going to face when I got down there. Now, in my story, it ended up working out that I ended up winning my class and winning the overall. So it sounds like, well, that's the formula that always works. The reality is, is that that was the last, I want to show a week, two weeks later, but after that, I'd never won an overall show again. I still use the same formula though, throughout every competition that I, I, I can only control my amount of effort. And sometimes it's also about not holding the bat too firmly. Yes. It's about not trying too hard, just a hundred percent. Yes. So, so, so when you, when you think about for you, maybe have some characteristics of an overachiever, maybe Um, what, what, what does trying too hard for Ava mean? I feel like it's not when I go back to talking about being grounded, it's like, I don't just focus on, what's happening right now in the present I'm just like swinging for the fences or just like overdoing what like I know it's like hey that's not really like an Ava thing to do like why you don't need to try so hard that it's like you're out of what your like comfort is of like out of what you normally do and I definitely have noticed like I've done that before or when I've kind of like made a mistake that I think the rest of my plays aren't going to go well or like the rest of my at-bats aren't going to go well and it kind of just defeats my confidence in the field whether it's on the outfield up bat like anywhere and I definitely have a struggle with that and I definitely will admit that that happens quite a lot and I've definitely worked on that since I was younger but it's still like a thing where you tell yourself you want to you know, be the best and you know what you're capable of and what you can do like as yourself. But it's sometimes the fact that like, if you make a mistake, other people don't know fully what you're capable of. And I feel like it's definitely a huge like mind swing when you're like, well, I could have done that. Like if it would have been this, if the ball would have been two inches to the right or a little bit higher, a little bit lower or the runner wasn't running as fast. And I definitely feel like it 
definitely can defeat confidence. It definitely can swing your mind around. There's definitely a lot that goes into that. And I definitely have struggled with it. And I definitely struggle with that just in life in general. There's definitely factors that go into that. And I feel like you just need to kind of stick to yourself. Otherwise your mind is going to go a million different directions and you're just going to kind of freak out and not let you be you and you just do what you know you're capable of. And I feel like that's definitely like something that a lot of like athletes struggle with is just the pressure of like making a mistake. Cause you know that you, you could have done better or you could have gotten that if it wasn't in that very moment. I definitely feel like that's something that I know I do. And I know a lot of my other girls who are athletes and other guys who are athletes that struggle with a lot. So. So I'm going to go, I'm a question for you. I know you were younger when you were dancing and you would dance with, with the company. And, and when you think back about that experience, how did you, how would you rate yourself as a dancer, even though you were young, how would you rate yourself as a dancer? I definitely would think that a factor is like, I, I still have this to this day that like, I want to be the best. And it's like, I want to be like that person that everyone's like, oh my gosh, or look at her. And I definitely noticed that and I tell myself this, that there is always going to be someone who is going to be better than you. There's always someone who's going to be on top of you. Always someone that's going to be, you know, reigning over you, this and that. And I definitely like, didn't really understand that until I got a little bit older. And I realized that it's like, you can work as hard as you can, but you have to work for yourself. You can't just work to try and improve to other people because there's always someone that's going to be a little bit stronger or a little bit faster or, you know, whatever the case may be, but you have to just, if you want something, you have to do it for you and you have to be the best for you and what other people see than just trying to be like the best overall, because there's always going to be someone that's going to be above you. And I definitely feel like I learned that as I got older from, you know, from me dancing, I definitely was at an age where I don't really think I understood kind of just the mind that goes into it and kind of just the things that like the fundamentals that you might think of, of, you know, training a certain way or doing this, but I definitely understood as I, you know, started playing softball and got really into the like one-on-one -on -one piece of the game and really just like, I tell myself that I want to be like the best athlete or the best, but it's like, you have to do it for yourself because if you don't do it for yourself, no one's going to notice. It's just going to be like, Oh, you say, Oh, I want to be the best athlete or I want to do this, but you have to perform the actions in order to get there. Otherwise it's just the words that are going to come out of your mouth, but it's not going to show for your inner self that you're working for it. So. Sure. No, I, I understand that understand that completely. And, and I've seen that with other athletes that I've coached over, over time and, and counseled over time that, um, you know, there, there are some people that will say that, but they don't ever really put themselves in a position to perform. So right. they're just all talkers. And then other individuals that will, 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 will put that out there. And then the pressure they put on themselves is really the, you know, the, that the success actually ends up being almost like a negative, like the expectation of them now being at that next level. Um, uh, now it's, you're going to be your year to shine. Now it's going to be, this is the season. And then that pressure gets too much in their head and they, you know, 
that's the anxiety um, that ends up being the culprit. Sure. So, sure. Um, so let me kind of kind of drop back into the you know what I started with. You had reached out to me um, in um, in in late winter and and wanted me to come to Whitnall School um, because you were concerned that uh, there wasn't enough conversations, there wasn't enough um, overall conversations about mental health. So t- t- you know, kind of bring me back to what drove you at that time and really motivated you to do that. What were some of the concerns that you had? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we had a little bit, we had an incident that happened um, at our school and it really made me realize that nobody talks about the factors of mental health as much as I feel like it should be talked about because everyone knows like, you know, the basic, like people talk about anxiety or depression or this, but as someone who's struggled for like with mental health for years, I finally like realized that I know a lot of other people that are my age, that are younger, that are older, that struggle with it, but don't know what to do about it. And I was lucky enough, like I found, you know, Heidi, my therapist and my resources that I use that if I might have like an anxiety flare up or a depression episode or, you know, something with the factors of mental health that might happen. And I definitely think that the fact that our school didn't really discuss anything and just would tell us that, you know, the counselor's doors are always open. And I feel like that's such like a cliche saying that I feel like it's said everywhere. And I feel like not a lot of people. And as someone who has this, I hate asking for help. I hate opening up because I'm afraid of judgment or I just don't like the feeling of talking about it of something that I'm personally struggling with. And I know that a lot of people, you know, struggle with the same things. Some might be more extreme. Some might just be, you know, I'm getting anxious and I don't really know what to do about it. And I feel like a lot of people get deeper into like a worse mindset because nobody knows about it and they're trying to fight it themselves. And I definitely have struggled with that. I've definitely, you know, been the type of person like, you know, I got it. I can just do it by myself. Like I don't need help. Like I'll figure it out. And when I tell you that you can't do that because your mind is such a powerful thing and you cannot keep it to yourself and you can't just try to fight it on your own because it's just, it's going to make you get into a deeper hole. And, you know, a lot of people don't like to talk to people. And as someone like, I completely understand that I hate opening up to people. I'm not a very like, oh, these are my problems type of person, but having someone that I know that I can always go to without, you know, having other people know what I'm speaking of and just letting it out. Cause when you're so built up with stress and anxiety and just whatever might be happening and you just let it out, it is just such a weight off your shoulders as much as the person doesn't even have to respond or, you know, talk back. But the fact that someone's listening and the fact that someone understands is such a much better thing than trying to just figure it out on your own because there's just some things that you can't figure out. And I definitely, you know, my first time I've struggled with anxiety was, I was about 13. So it was about like four years ago. And looking back at it now, I never understood how serious mental health was. And I, it was, it it was bad. Like it was, 
I didn't really know what was going on. And I thought that something was wrong with me because I've never like had an anxiety flare before, like a depressive episode. And I kind of was just like, what is going on? Like, why am I like this? What is wrong with me? And I know a lot of people feel like that. Like, what is wrong? Like, why is this happening to me? And it's honestly, I look and it's nothing to be ashamed of because so many people deal with it. And so many people deal with it now at such a young age. And I know when I was 13 and I had everything going on that I just like refused to get help. I just hated it. I was like so over it. I was such in a bad, like depressive state. And then I was diagnosed with emetophobia, which is the fear of throwing up and like other people throwing up. And that just, I was out of school for like at least a month. I like refused to go to softball. I was just in such like a bad mental place that like I wouldn't get up out of bed for days. And like, as like weird as that sounds, but like when you're in that moment, like it's just something that clicks with your body that it's just like, I have no energy to get up and I have no like purpose to get up or I don't feel like I need to do anything or just zero motivation. And I definitely have dealt with that. I still deal with that, but I definitely found my ways to get that under control. Um, and I definitely think this year was probably another hard year of mine for some mental health stuff, just cause junior year in school and like all of the factors that go into, you know, high school and everything like that, where I definitely feel like I kind of lost myself a little bit. I definitely compared myself to others a lot. Um, whether like body image stuff. Um, and that's when I started restricting food, which I look back and it's just the things that we can put ourselves through. Like we can't even imagine until we're in that place where we do it. And I would just remember like, I would enjoy so much the feeling like the hungry feeling in your stomach. And that would click in my mind that I would say, well, my body wants food. And if I'm not giving it food, that means I'm losing weight or that means something's getting smaller. That means something's changing. And I ended up losing the feeling of hunger. So I, my body was so used to just not eating that I used all of the extra like storage of food in my body. And that's when I started passing out and like my heart rate would stay low and I would always be tired. I would have headaches. I would be fatigued. I couldn't go to softball. And that's when I like realized that it's like, this is something that's so serious that other people might be struggling with, but don't know what to do or like, doesn't know what's going on. And obviously like I've been blessed to be able to talk to someone that is helping me through things. And I have like my resources and my, my people that I am comfortable talking about and stuff. But I just feel like it's so under talked about that I definitely feel like if more people knew that about stuff that like is going on or feelings that not just you feel mm -hmm. that so many other people have those exact same feelings. Um, I just feel like it would help so much better because I just, I hate seeing people internally struggle and you can tell from the outside that something's not okay, but they're too scared to talk about it. And then like it just gets worse and worse and worse and it's like I want to help you and it's like from a person who understands not wanting to speak and not 
wanting to go get help or not wanting to talk to someone, you know, it might be a therapist or someone like that, that go, you want to go to friends. Like you want to have a trusted friend that you go to when you might have a depressive episode that's happening or you're having an anxiety attack. And I feel like a lot of people need to understand that there are so many others that know what it's like and that would just be willing to sit down and you know if even if you send a message like hey i'm having a flare-up right now or i don't know what's happening and you kind of just have that person that you just text and you know like they just relax and you calm down like what i always used to do i always used to go to the bathroom and put cold water on my neck and on my face because i would get really hot and anxious and i would just tell myself like i'm gonna be okay like nothing's wrong i'm just having a flare-up it's okay and like it's okay that you feel that type of way and i always i always used to tell myself that because i always thought like what is wrong with me or like it's not okay that i'm like like this or what is happening and i learned so much that it is okay to feel that way okay or it is okay to have a depressive episode where you can't get out of bed for a week or you don't have the motivation to get up and clean your room or I feel like a lot of people are scared of the judgment that it's like oh my gosh what if people think like this and that and it's like there's so many people that are going through that that you're not not the only person that's trying to fight this on your own so yeah absolutely I definitely feel. <clears throat> so you went and approached your principal obviously you were passionate about you had, you know, and it wasn't like it was something that just happened when you were in middle school, it was happening in your junior year. And, and then all those, all those, you know, the, 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 the double-edged sword about having goals and expectations of ourselves is that we also then have a tendency to put the pressure on ourselves to, to, to achieve those things. When you went and talked to you, to talk to the principal, um, however that conversation went, you know, I got a, I got an email back from him and he ended up setting up, ended up getting the funding for it and ended up having me come in and speak to you, you know, speak to the entire high school student body. Um, and I think, it, I think we had two different presentations um, to do that. And that was, as he said, kicking off the month of May, which was mental health awareness month. Um how do you tell me, tell me a little bit about how you thought that went, not, not necessarily about my talk, but how do you think it, that, that initiative went, how do you think it was received? Did it, did it achieve what you wanted it to achieve or at least start it? I definitely think it was something that I was nervous about just because I was scared that I wasn't really going to be heard about it, or they were kind of just gonna, you know, brush it off or not really take that stand of making it happen. And I was really passionate about it. And I was like, I don't, I will do anything I can. Like, I want this to happen. And I definitely think that just hearing it as like a student body from someone like you and just like, even if they don't struggle with mental health or they didn't take anything from that or whatever the case may be that they at least heard and they know that if someone comes up to them in like desperate need of help or someone feels like there's no other way to do it or get help or no one to talk to that you showed us ways to help someone. And I definitely feel like the school needed it 
because there's just so much happening nowadays in this generation and just I've definitely seen a lot more of the mental health aspect come out in people my age and you know my like my whole school I definitely know people who struggle with mental health in my school and I definitely think that a lot of people don't know who struggles with it because people just fake it the saying like fake it till you make it and as someone who hides emotions a lot I I never really was comfortable showing emotion and so like no one knew what was like wrong if I looked upset and I remember I would just sit in my bed and I would beg I would just beg that someone would realize that something's wrong without me having to say it and I know that so many people sit and just fight it in their mind by themselves and people don't know because you know fake smiles people cover it up they can you know wipe their tears in the bathroom and go to class like nothing even happened I definitely feel like the talk that you like shared our student body it definitely was information that people my age and high schoolers needed to hear because so many people are in a place where it's like well I don't know what to do or I don't know how to help this person. I've never dealt with this before. I don't know what this is. And I definitely think that I was so happy when I saw the news that the news information from our school that you were coming to talk to us. And, you know, I hadn't heard from like our principal about it. He hasn't really said anything. So I, was, I thought that it wasn't going to happen. And I thought that he kind of just brushed it off. And I was just, I was kind of upset. And then I saw it and I was like, you know, this happened, like, I helped do this because I want people to hear it because it's just, it's, there's so much that's going on. And I definitely was happy that it went through because it was just, as a student body, having us all together, just talking about it was definitely something that we needed as a school. So I definitely, I definitely think that helped a lot of people for sure. Well, and, and again, a lot of it had to do with your persistence and your passion about it. And then just having the courage to go and, you know, not only go and talk to them, but giving them permission to push, push forward and, and being able to share your, your piece of the story. Um, obviously, it was a big part of that. The day that I was there, you said something to me. Um, and in obviously being being an athlete and having aspirations to, to play at the next level um, and, and being able to fact that there has been a um, over the last few years, there has been NCAA athletes uh, that have died as a result of suicide. And you said something to me that that I don't know if I fully had picked up on even though I had gone to colleges and, and helped with the postvention after someone, um, uh, you know, Rock Valley College is, is one of the, uh, is, our, is in the Rockford community. And they, I think just last weekend or two weekends ago, they had won their 10th uh, JV national championship um, in a row. And so, uh, so obviously strong, strong, huge program. And a few years ago, they had one of their, uh, top softball players or captain um, die from suicide. And I, and I, she had gone on to school in Iowa and it was, it was during that year after she had, had been away is when she had died. You said something to me, you know, before I went up and spoke is that you said, what I remember you saying was that 
it seems like every time when an athlete dies, all we ever hear about that person that died is their athletic performance. We never hear about them as a person. Uh, tell us a little bit about why did that ring so true for you and, and stand out to you? I definitely, when I heard about the last athlete who died by suicide, I just was kind of looking back how they were talking about how there was just like so many athletes that this has happened to and, you know, athletes I had to step away because it just became too much that all we ever hear about when we hear the news that something like that happened is they're just defined by their athleticism and their sport and never as just a person. And I feel like people don't really understand what playing a sport at a college level is like and the amount of pressure that you have on yourself if you're at a big time school and you're at a D1 college and you know everyone is watching you, you're on TV, everybody's rooting for you. The amount of mental pressure that goes onto you because everyone wants you to do the right thing. Everybody is, you know, wanting you to get that ball or make that play or not make any mistakes. And I feel like so many of the times that when you hear about an athlete dying by suicide, it's only shown about their performance rankings or their all school awards or their, you know, player of the year, player of the week. And I feel like in all their like athlete pictures and I feel like a lot of people forget that those are still people. And just because they're at a level of athleticism, it might be D1, D2, D3, whatever it may be, that they still have the feelings that people who don't play sports do. And I definitely think that a lot of the time pressure becomes too much for them because people don't treat them as just a human being. They treat them as they have to do this every single day. They have to do the right thing. They can't make a mistake. They, you know, whatever it might be. And I just feel like as someone who wants to play sports in college and wants to play softball in college, I don't want to be like defined as just an athlete. I wanted to be defined as a human because I feel like, you know, defining someone as an athlete and being that athlete that's being defined just really takes a toll on yourself. And it really can bring you down because you feel like, well, the only reason why people know me is because I'm an athlete. The only reason why people are watching me is because I'm an athlete or I was player of the week. And I feel like when you hear about athletes who die by suicide and all of them are big time athletes. All of them are D1, D2, like football players, softball players, soccer players. You never really hear about the small schools that have death by suicide. You never really hear about those athletes that went through the exact same thing as those D1 athletes, but it's never on the news. It's never in reports. It's never online. You never hear about it because people only care about the D1 athletes and the big time college players. And I feel like that's just so, it just like hurts me as someone that wants to play a college sport that doesn't want to just have people know me because I might be good at something or have people think of me as a different way or think my mind is different because I'm a college athlete no matter if I'm at a D1 school or at a private school or wherever I am in state, out of state, 
I definitely think that so many of the times that college athletes aren't treated like people and they're just treated like athletes that need to do the best thing every time. And the amount of pressure of being a student athlete in general is hard enough on them because just managing a college sport and your education and then people not understanding you and not feeling what it's like to be in that place and then saying things about it definitely can take a toll on those college athletes. And I just think it's something that's rarely talked about and rarely seen. And when I heard about the last one, I just was thinking that like, there needs to be something for these athletes that needs to be done to make them feel like they're, this is their place. Like they're not treated any differently. They're not defined any differently than, you know, someone at their exact same college who's not an athlete because those two people athlete or not have the same feelings and can go through the exact same thing. So I just feel like that was something that just really caught my eye when I saw it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I, you know, again, having, being a former athlete and I remember when bodybuilding was done. I mean, when I was no longer competing and, and obviously I could continue working out and I could continue training and all that, but I knew that I was done competing and my entire life up to that point, my identity had been wrapped up into either football or wrestling, um, or at that point it had been bodybuilding. And I remember when that ended, there was, um, a death, uh, not, not a physical death, but a metaphorical death of that, who Kevin was and how Kevin had identified himself as. And then that was reinforced because that's how I thought people knew me um, was, was through those, uh, those achievements or that what I did. And I remember going through a time period searching for discovering who, who I was going to be as I recreated myself. And, and that, and I didn't know it at the time, but that ended up leading me to be a therapist and be a counselor. And then there was a point when there had to be a death of that um, because I'd wrapped up my identity so much. Um, I didn't accidentally, I guess, label my first company with my initials, KP Counseling. Um, and, and I had done the same thing. I'd, I'd wrapped my identity up in, in that. And as that, as I transitioned and recreated myself into then, you know, later it was, you know, more now as a, as a speaker and as a business leader and a clinical leader, that's what I do today. The same formula that I used to be a national champion in bodybuilding was the same formula that I used as a counselor, the same formula I used in business. So I, I think you know, with, with what you said, Ava, I think it's so important. And I know that it's, it's not easy to remember this, you know, at, at this time period in your life, but I got to know Ava and you happen to play softball. Yes. It, it's one thing that you do. It's not who you are. Exactly. And looking at your prom pictures with your boyfriend and, 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 and listening to you talk about the stories of other things that you do is, are, is as much of who you are as softball. Because um, everybody at some point, their sports career is going to end. 
even Tom Brady at some point will retire. Um, (laughs) Maybe, I guess. Um, But, (laughs) but at some point there's going to be that end and, and who you're going to be afterwards is this person that you're developing now. So um, I'm, I'm grateful that you reached out to me that, you know, that Wednesday or whatever day that was by email. And um, I appreciate getting to know you as a person Um, and listening to you and your insights and your observations, not only of yourself, but of, of your sport and, and the, and the athletes, but most importantly, um, your, your friends and your, and the student body. So thank you very much for everything that you're doing first for yourself. And, and then for the other ones that, uh, you know, happen to listen. So, uh, Ava, if there's anything that you want to leave, uh, leave the, the listeners with, what would you want to leave them with? I definitely would want to leave them with that you're not the only one who has those feelings. I definitely think that's such an underrated saying that there's so many more people that deal with the exact same things you do than you have any idea in the world. And I definitely want people to know that you are not alone. And there is so much more in life for people to accomplish and to not let, you know, your mind just kind of eat you up inside and control you, that you're the person who controls your mind. And I definitely just, I definitely want people to know that they're not the only people who feel like that because I have experienced it and I know what it's like. And I just hope that people find their person or their group and, always have their their safe space so perfect well Ava thank you very much for for being with us and um and then as time goes on um I'm gonna definitely uh in, send you a ticket to to come to um as as our guest to come to our banquet that we're gonna have in September and um so that you can experience uh the, the our fundraiser that we do as well so uh, yeah thank again so again, thank you for being with us. And um, for all of you listening, um, I, I think, you know, Ava said it in her words, but this, this idea that it's okay to not be okay and to be able to, um, if you're not feeling, um, if you're not feeling right, there's something going on. It's really, really important to make sure that you find somebody and be persistent to, to let people know um, where you're at and how you're feeling. Um, yes, it may take a little bit of effort, um, and we would like it to be easier, as Ava said, that they would just be able to see this is going on and then pull it out of us. But we have to take that effort to to find someone uh, to share. And there is a lot of people out there that are willing to help. So, again, thank you for being with us today, and I look forward to being with you next week. Thank you so much.